as anyone listening can imagine, just based on your quick summation, this has become quickly a PR nightmare for the White House. It's kind of unclear how long this was in the works, but the timing couldn't be worse. Welcome to America in Focus. I'm Cole McNeely, General Manager of America's Talking Network. If you have not already, we ask you hit that subscribe button wherever you listen to this podcast so you don't miss any new episodes of America in Focus. Now here's your host, Dan McCaleb. Thank you, Cole, and welcome to the America in Focus podcast powered by the Center Square. I'm Dan McCaleb, executive editor of the Center Square Newswire service. America in Focus is a production of America's Talking Network. You can find all of the Center Square's great podcasts at americastalking.com. That's americastalking.com. Joining me today is Casey Harper, Washington, D.C. Bureau Chief for the Center Square, fresh off of his weeks-long trip to Europe. Casey, I, I hope you learned a little bit about uh, Europe's geography after mixing up Sweden with Denmark a few weeks ago mm. on the podcast. Yeah, you've been sitting on that one. That's a good one. I did learn a little bit about their geography. I learned, uh, you know, I just took a page out of the playbook of um, the Europeans and, you know, they get a lot more vacation time over there, I've learned. So, yeah, weeks long, you know, we'll, we'll see. Welcome back to America. Right. Seriously, seriously right. that was the trip. It was a great trip. Um, it was you beautiful. Raised, right? Yeah, um, it was beautiful. The people were extremely friendly. A lot of history. Um, of course, America traces so much of its uh, roots um, to uh, Athens, even, which is where I spent a lot of time. And so it was just cool to, to see the really, I guess you call it the birthplace of democracy and all the sites and eat so much good food. It was a great time. Well, it's not like you missed any news. There wasn't like a right. the U.S. Supreme Court ruling. Mm-hmm. And will yeah. be weighed while you're away or anything like that. Yeah, just the biggest Supreme Court ruling in, you know, a decade. No big deal. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and also, you know, our first topic, gas prices and, and mm. oil leases on federal land. It's not like gas prices didn't spike to a new record high this week. Why, right. don't, we, why don't we actually get serious and talk about that? Um, um, as gas prices did hit new record highs this week, President Biden um, canceled three pending oil and gas drilling leases, uh, one in Alaska and two in the Gulf of Mexico. Tell us about this. Yeah, this was, uh, as, as anyone listening can imagine, just based on your quick summation, this has become quickly a PR nightmare for, for the White House. Um, it's, it's kind of unclear how long this was in the works, but the timing couldn't be worse. As you said, um, record high gas prices, um, you know, and I, when I write about this, I always compare it to the same time last year. So, you know, the, the average gas price this week was about, you know, 442, you know, depending on the day, give or take a few cents. And that's up from about $3 per gallon the same time last year. But when it was at $3 per gallon last year, that had already been an increase. So if you compared it to, you know, two this time, two years ago, I mean, we're probably going to be looking at, you're going to be getting close to a, a $2 increase or somewhere in that, in that neighborhood. So, um, it's been a major increase. Uh, it's come alongside, you know, inflation, which has made the price of everything that you buy at the supermarket, um, everything, you know, you can imagine more expensive, even, um, these gas prices, you know, make goods being transported to market more expensive. So it all kind of compounds on one another. And this has been a story that we've been covering. That's been hounding the Biden administration for months now. And then when it hits a new high, it comes out that the Biden administration canceled three gas leases. Um, and so basically what that means is there were going to be um, in, in Alaska and the Gulf of Mexico um, opportunity for new drilling that would presumably allow more oil into the market. 
which would then lower prices, right? And uh, those have all been canceled. Those have all been revoked. And so Biden took a lot of, um, you know, a lot of heat for this, um, understandably. And, you know, if a little bit of history or backstory, when Biden first came into office, he he issued an executive order um, that banned new oil and gas leases for drilling. Um, and then a judge overturned that and, and said, you can't just ban all of this. And so now that's being fought out in the courts. Um, but he's clearly, you know, banned these targeted ones. And uh, politically, he's he's taken a lot of shots because people are tired of paying more at the pump. And uh, when you look at the polling, and I think we'll look at this um, here in a minute, but um, economic concerns, inflation, gas prices, that kind of things are the number one concerns for America right now, far outpacing other things like even COVID or the invasion of Ukraine. So this is top of mind for Americans. Um, and it, it's really, you could say, the biggest story right now. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's it's a matter of supply and demand, right? When when right. Um, demand goes up, we're heading into summer driving season. Um, supply's got to go up with it. If not, prices are naturally um, going to go up. So when when the Biden administration keeps canceling um, these leases, there's no way supply is going to keep pace with demand. And it, it, it it's common sense. Um, so I, I know um, Biden and his advisors are, are all about clean energy and whatnot. But it's also a midterm election year. It's almost right. like it's self-sabotage. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you imagine if you, Dan, if you're a House Democrat in a swing, you know, in a in a, in a state that doesn't, you know, lean heavily blue, you're <laughs> you're pulling your hair out right now because it seems like uh, Biden is is from your perspective is probably just submarining any chance you have of of reelection it, when all the polling right now shows you know big losses for Democrats and so. A lot of, you know, especially, you know, House Democrats are wanting Biden to to do what he can um, to kind of patch things up going into November. I mean, we've seen that with immigration. They've kind of been a little bit tougher on Title 42 and stuff like that. A lot of House Democrats. So you're absolutely right. If you're a House Democrat, you're pulling your hair out right now. Yeah, I'm looking at AAA's uh, gas price website right now. Currently, um, uh, I should say that we're recording this on Friday, May 13th. Uh, on Friday, May 13th, the current average for a regular gallon of gasoline across the country is $4.43. Mm -hmm. A year ago, it was $3.02. So that is a $1.41 increase. But it's even more pronounced when you look at the price of diesel fuel. Uh, $5.56 right. on average across the country today compared to $3.15 um, a year yeah. ago. More than and that's the that's pounds. what's taking your goods to market right there right. is the diesel gas. Right, the semi truck drivers who deliver your goods to the grocery stores, etc., across the country, um, um, uh, and that's what's what's ca causing a lot of the the spikes in groceries. For example, mm -hmm. year over year, eggs are up. Uh, the cost of eggs are up twenty three percent. Bacon up eighteen percent. Chicken and milk fifteen percent. That's really hurting American families. And why don't we talk about this poll? Um, here a little bit that you referenced. Um, Americans are worried about gas prices and inflation. Yeah, they, they're very worried. Um, new Rasmussen Reports poll shows that only 28% of likely U.S. voters think the country is headed in the right direction, um, which is a slight decrease from you know a week ago. Um, and it, you know, the big, <laughs> the biggest reason for that. I mean, this is me kind of summarizing uh, several polls that I've read and looked at and written about. But the biggest reason for that um, again and again is uh, our economic problems. So inflation, gas prices, 
um, supply chain issues. I mean, like with baby formula, we've had some reporting on that this week. All of these things start to compound when you're paying more at the pump, when you, you pay more to drive to the grocery store, you get there and everything's more expensive. And then the thing that you needed isn't on the shelf. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's really, it's in Americans' minds. And uh, recent Gallup polling showed that, you know, inflation is the number one um, concern uh, among economic concerns. So, you know, um, they, they give Americans a whole range of um, concerns to pick from. And the number one uh, is economic concerns, right? And then of the economic concerns, inflation is the biggest one. And so, you know, we're seeing that this is top of mind. A different Rasmussen poll found that Americans are more worried about gas prices than climate change. And so, um, you know, that in some ways that's like a kind of a pretty political poll to ask someone, are you more, you know, worried about gas prices you know, or climate change? But I think it shows you what, it goes to your earlier point about what are House Democrats or what are, you know, Senate Democrats facing an election thinking about um, is now the time to be really pushing the climate change message <laughs> or is now the time to be talking about how you're going to get gas prices down and you're going to do what it takes. And it's really interesting because, you know, Biden seemed to understand this. Um, it, when you look at what he says, what White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki says, they're always talking about how Biden has done so much to lower gas prices. They point out things he's done, like um, allowing the use of gasoline with more ethanol in it. You know, you can think that's a good or bad idea, but um, at least he's doing something to address the problem, right? Um, he released what the, more the, from the. Go ahead. The, the uh, strategic petroleum reserve, right? Mm -hmm. But Americans aren't seeing any results from any of this. Prices continue to go up. Right, right, and it, it's true. It's not fixing the problem, um, but at least you know having some sense of a solution or, or trying to uh, propose a solution, I think, will help them politically more than you know, stopping new leases, which is going to make them seem like uh, they're the source of the problem. So, you know, there's a, I do think there's a big difference between um, failing to solve a problem in voters' eyes or being the cause of that problem, right? And so right now with things like this leasing uh, issue, it seemed, Biden, I think, is going to get blamed for, for causing a lot of these problems. And that's what I think voters won't, tol won't, be, won't tolerate. And when you look at these pollings, I mean, um, only 14% are not concerned about the rising price of energy. So pretty much all Americans are concerned about energy. We've talked so much about gas prices, but we haven't even really talked about electricity, which has also soared you know, significantly. And so all these things add up and it's top of mind for voters. Um, I, I think that, you know, there, it is a while till November. We still have a few months, but um, something's got to change or these, I do think there's going to be a big, big shakeup um, in the midterms. Yeah. You talked about energy overall um, in places like Pennsylvania. We talked about this on the Pennsylvania in focus uh, podcast uh, this week, <laughs> by the way, you can get all of uh, the center squares, great podcast at America's talking.com, including um, American focus and Pennsylvania in focus, which I just referenced um, in Pennsylvania. Uh, they're expecting to see in next month in June, uh, home energy prices uh, rise as much as 46 percent um, because of what's going on um, there. Anyway, yeah, I'm America's second favorite podcast right after American Focus. That's a good <laughs> shout out, though. Appreciate that. <laughs> Illinois in focus, Washington in focus, Michigan in focus, Wisconsin mm -hmm. in focus. They're all pretty good. Uh, let's stick with the economy, though, um, uh, Casey. Uh, new survey 
shows that businesses are there's still there's in addition to inflation there's still a hiring crisis going on in this company businesses are having a hard time finding workers what's going on there yeah i mean and i know it feels it probably feels like we're kind of throwing so many things at the wall now but the economy is like a really complex machine with so many inner inner working parts and when one part starts to struggle it it grates and it pulls on other parts and so these are all, you know, these are all interconnected, all inter interrelated. But this new report from Alignable found that 83% of restaurants cannot find enough workers. Um, it, overall, it found that 63% of all small business employers can't find the help they need. Uh, and this has been going on for like a year. So I think this really um, hit a peak in COVID and post-COVID um, when you know, we covered this a lot last year on the centersquare.com and talked about it on this podcast, but the federal government essentially paid people not to work. Uh, and they, and they justified it with COVID and saying, you know, so many businesses, particularly restaurants were shut down. And so they paid people not to work. They created, um, um, paid people per child that they have. And overall it added up to be more than enough to live off of, especially in places with lower costs of living, you know, in anywhere that was somewhat rural or even suburban, you could live off of this, um, you know, these federal funds, maybe not downtown Manhattan or something, but a lot of people could just live off the government dole. Now, so a lot of those benefits have expired partially because what we found was so many people stopped working. <laughs> they stopped working and, and why wouldn't they, you know, they could make more um, not working. And now though, we found that we haven't, we still haven't recovered. It's been several months. Uh, you know, the, the bulk of some of those um, benefits have really expired. And yet here we are in May with businesses unable to hire people. Um, now the inflation issue does play into this because wages have risen and the Biden administration talks a lot about how wages have risen. Um, and that's true. Wages have risen, but they have not risen as fast as inflation. And so, uh, and they, you know, they don't usually mention that when they talk about it, but, um, it's an important piece because work employers are in a tough spot where they're having to raise prices on their goods. Everything that they buy for their business is more expensive. So if you own, if you run a coffee shop, you know, you, your beans are more expensive. Uh, all the, the, you know, napkins and cups are more expensive. The machinery that you need, the equipment is more expensive. And also you can't find workers and you have to pay them more, even though all your products are more expensive and the government made you shut down your business for, you know, a year last year. And so you see, all, and that's, and that's why a third of small businesses have considered just shutting their doors in, entirely in the, you know, in the last year, but all these things are added up, but this uh, labor supply shortage is fascinating to me because so many people haven't gone back to work. I mean, I don't know, you know, Dan, you know a lot about not working. I don't know what you want to weigh in your expertise on this. Uh, it's a good one. Good oh, one. yeah. Good mm -hmm. one, Casey. <laughs> well, it, what, another interesting fact from your story from this week is that um, there are uh, almost double the, the number of job openings than there are people uh, receiving unemployment benefits. 11.5 million job openings um, right now. Nearly two jobs for every person who's receiving unemployment yeah, benefits. Record That's high. just crazy. It is crazy. I mean, it's a record high. Um, in some ways, it's inexplicable. I mean, there are different things we've written about, you know, that could be causing it. Uh, of course, the federal, you know, uh, the federal regulations help. And, you know, I talked to an expert this week who pointed out that there's been increasing re regulations for childcare, daycares, that kind of thing, 
which have made um, daycares and childcare more and more expensive. And so I think, um, you know, what this, you know, Gretchen um, Baldow, the Alec American Legislative Exchange Council, which she kind of laid out was that for a lot of people, it's pretty much going to be the same cost to have someone watch your kid uh, or watch your children so you can go to work. And so you might as well stay home with your kids and have only one person work. Right. And so uh, a lot of people got used to staying home during the pandemic, spent a lot of time with their kids. And, and it seems like at least a, a sizable portion of them have decided not to go back to work and just continue staying home with their kids because childcare is so expensive. Um, you know, the, the wage they're getting isn't going to keep, hasn't kept pace with inflation anyway. And so they're just going to stay home. Well, and, uh, at this point, I guess I'd like to encourage folks to get back to work. The American economy needs you. Mm -hmm. um, but let's move off of all these economic issues, uh, Casey, and talk about that. Um, um, the leak of the Roe v. Wade decision that I had to write. So I do work a little bit because you decided to take a month off. Mm, um, <laughs> every time I hear that, it gets longer. <laughs> but um, as, since the leak of the decision, mm -hmm. um, there have been protests outside Supreme Court justices' homes. There have been um, fires set at pro-life um, um, uh, uh, clinics. Um, and uh, the Senate stepped up to, uh, to address some of these protests this week, what uh, you wrote about it at thecentersquare.com. Yeah, I mean, this story is about, you know, Senate passing a bill to basically consider Supreme Court justices more along the lines of kind of an executive or a, a lawmaker who requires more federal security. So, um, the, you know, the federal government is going to be giving and already has begun giving a lot more security to the Supreme Court justices out of necessity for the very reason which you laid out, which is the protests are getting really raucous. Some of them are getting you know, apparently dangerous, uh, people are outside of homes. Um, and that's, I think that's when, you know, the homes, it seems to be the bright line for a lot of people. If you want to have a protest in front of the Supreme court, even one where you're being pretty, uh, boisterous and maybe even, I don't know, you're setting things on fire. I mean, outside is, a, you know, not vandalizing buildings, but kind of demonstrating pretty aggressively. I think people have a pretty high tolerance for that. In some ways it's the American way, you know, we, we strongly hold to right to free assembly, all that kind of things. You know, I'm at the Supreme Court all the time, or even just walking by it. And uh, there's always some group out there protesting something. You know, there's always signs and picketers and people chanting. And so that's pretty common. I think Americans have really have no problem with that and, and even celebrate it. But when you start going to people's homes and those justices start to feel threatened, I think that is the line. I mean, we would never tolerate going to a a lawmaker's home or a federal judge's home to pressure them on a particular case or law. And so I, you know, I don't know, Dan, I mean, I'd love to hear your forecast on this, but I think this is, it's going to die down for a little while, but as soon as this ruling comes out, it's just going to explode again. And I think it's going to be even worse because uh, people are, you know, there's a strong, very militant um, strain in the far left and they really hold to this uh, pro-choice issue um, pretty strongly. And so I think if this leak, you know, proves true and Roe v. Wade is overturned, which would be historic, which would be, you know, one of the biggest Supreme Court cases in years, um, I think we're going to see these protests really ramp up. I, I hope and pray no one gets hurt, um, that the justices don't feel intimidated. We don't want, you know, any kind of thugs or violence to sway a, a court decision. We want it to be made 
according to the constitution, you know, reason having uh, looked at all the facts and, and making a wise decision, not influenced by any kind of thuggery, but I don't, <laughs> if this is overturned, I think it is going to heat up. Um, and I just, I hope, I hope it doesn't get violent. It's two quick thoughts. Um, just a reminder, if Roe v. Wade is overturned by the Supreme Court, which it looks like it will be, it does not ban uh, abortion. It just it sends the yeah. decision back to the states. Um, yes. So uh, states that have laws in effect uh, allowing abortion and protecting abortion, you'll still be able to get a legal abortion in those states. However, there are many states, red states in particular, who have passed what they call trigger laws that will mm -hmm. go into effect if, in fact, Roe v. Wade um, is overturned, which would put severe restrictions on abortion. On the second, my second point uh, um, is there's already federal law in the book that you can't in intimidate federal judges. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you can't threaten th federal judges in an attempt to sway um, their decisions. The Biden administration, however, has come out and said it welcomes uh, these protests at justices' homes. Um, um, so I, so, so I don't know. I, I, I do worry um, when this decision does become uh, official, um, what the reaction is going to be across the country. Yeah, I think it's an important, important point that you made that this just sends it back to the states. I think there's a real ignorance on what Roe v. Wade actually does, and and that I think there's a lot of of people who think that Roe v. Wade being overturned makes all abortion illegal overnight. And it's just not the case. I mean, it's, it would be comparable to something like gun laws. You know, if you want to purchase a gun in um, Texas where I grew up, it's a lot different experience than if you want to purchase a, a gun in New York city, right. Or, or Chicago, Get, you know, it's just uh, or carry open carry. I mean, it's going to vary by state. It's up to the legislators. Um, and if you, if you want a different experience, you can change states, you can cross state lines. There's a lot of different things that uh, you can do. And so it's going to send it to the states. It's not going to make things um, legal overnight. And I don't know, I hope this isn't too ideological or political a point, but I think that this kind of shows you the problem with federalizing a lot of uh, these decisions. When, when the federal government gets to decide what all 50 states do, then it's an all or nothing win-lose scenario. Either your team wins and you're really happy that the whole country has to do what you want, or your team loses, and then <laughs> you're frustrated and you're and you're panicking because you have this mentality of the federal government deciding everything. But when things are sent back to the states and states can decide based on what their voters want, um, what to do, it it distributes the uh, the risk. It allows us, you know, the the phrase that's often used of the laboratories of democracy, and we can see what works and what doesn't without federalizing everything. Um, but I. I back on the protests, you're right that this, it is on the books not to do this, but we've seen, uh, you know, the last five years, we've seen kind of an unprecedented, well, I won't say unprecedented, but we've just seen a very a much higher level, but from, you know, the BLM riots all over the city, you know, all over cities around the country in January 6th, I think both sides have just seen a much higher level of demonstration, political anger, really. And so I think, we're in danger of seeing something like that again here, but I hope it doesn't happen. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting and, and <clears throat> perhaps scary um, summer once this, uh, this with everything going on between gas prices, inflation, this very contentious Roe v. Wade um, hearing. It will certainly be an interesting um, summer. You can catch all of the, uh, the updates on these news items and more at thecentersquare.com. 
Um, but we, Casey, we are out of time. Welcome back. I'm glad you decided to, to get back to work. Um, uh, um, but for all uh, those listening, you can find the Center Squares co- podcast at americastalking.com. Take a look. Please subscribe. There is no cost. For Casey Harper, I'm Dan McCaleb. We'll talk to you next week.